The Sunday School lesson that you're about to listen to can be found at newfoundfaith.org. Be sure to take a moment to go there and subscribe for email notifications so that you can never miss a lesson. Lessons are shared every Sunday at 10.45 a.m. Eastern. This week's Sunday School lesson, lesson number one in the winter quarter, The Promise of Messiah's Forerunner. This week's lesson is being taught from the first chapter of Luke, starting at the 8th verse and going through the 20th verse. Be sure to pause the audio now so that you can read over the scripture for today's lesson. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to share this week's lesson with someone, somewhere. Lesson this week is going to be the first lesson of the winter quarter. And if you are looking at a Sunday school book, if you happen to have one, if you do not happen to have one, we'll see that the subject for this quarter's lesson is titled God's Great Blessing. And the first unit of lessons that we're going to be taking a look at here for the month of December, these lessons are going to be under the title Blessing of a Savior. And typically in the first month of the winter quarter, since the first month of the winter quarter is always December, we're going to be looking at lessons. We typically look at lessons that are geared towards Christmas, that are geared speaking around the birth of Christ. And that is going to be no different with our Sunday school lessons here for the month of December. As we close out 2022, we're going to be looking at lessons that are geared towards and that are going to be facing the birth of Christ. The first lesson of this quarter is going to be taking a look at an angel delivering a message to a father here. And we'll see here that our lesson, it opens up. We're going to take the eighth through the 12th verse because I want us to to know who this angel is. I want us to know who the father is that is being spoken of here uh, in this passage of scripture. We're going to get the father's name here in the, the eighth through the 12th verse. We'll get the angel name here in, in, a, in a little bit. But we are told here in the eighth verse, it says, So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, so let us understand that the father that is going to be spoken of here, the dad that is going to be spoken of here, if you will, is someone that is serving as a priest. The ninth verse says, According to the custom of the priesthood, his lot failed to burn incense, when he went into the temple of the Lord. The 10th verse says, And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. The 11th verse says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And the 12th verse then says, And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. So, the, the opening verses here actually gives us quite a bit of information for us to, to soak up here. Okay, we, we are speaking of Zacharias here. Okay, Zacharias is serving as a priest before God. He's in the temple. He's in the temple serving as a priest before God, according to the custom of, of the priesthood, right? And we're told that his lot fell for him to burn incense in the temple. Uh, now, if you, again, listen to any of our Sunday school lessons 
from last quarter, then you know the significance of the burning of incense. The burning of incense, it represented a essentially a line of communication. That's what it, it was a representation of. It was a representation of, of communicating with God. It was a representation of praying with the Lord. Uh, it was a representation of, of worshiping the Lord as well. So scripture again tells us that, that his light failed to burn incense in the temple. And we're told specifically there in the 10th verse, okay, uh, that in the 10th verse that the whole multitude says, and the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Because again, like I said, as we saw in our Sunday school lessons last quarter, when, when Aaron went in on the day of atonement, uh, the, the burning of incense was very significant for, for Aaron and for the children of Israel as well. Uh, the burning of incense, I want to remind you, uh, it burned in the tabernacle uh, for a couple of reasons. The, the burning of incense, again, it, it showed that you was communing with the Lord. It showed that, uh, that there was prayer going on, that there was worship going on. And, and you'll even remember that I said that the sweet smelling aroma of an offering, it, 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 it was a big deal for the Lord. Okay. A sweet smelling aroma. Uh, it was a, a sign of an offering being accepted. Okay. And again, grabbing, you know, burning the, the sweet incense. Okay, it was sign essentially a, a a sign that it would be an offering that the communication with Lord the Lord was a good one. It was one that was pleasing uh, to the Lord. Uh, again, just mentioning what we went over in our Sunday school lessons last quarter, that on the Day of Atonement, when when Aaron went into the tabernacle and and he grabbed the incense with a fistful of incense and and he went into the the most holy place with that incense and he he burned that incense. It was a way of, of shielding and protecting him uh, from, from the Lord's presence being in uh, the tabernacle as well. So the burning of incense was very significant. Here in our Sunday school lesson this week, we see that uh, the burning of incense was during that specific hour of prayer where, where the people, where they were communicating to uh, the Lord. So yeah, I, I find it very interesting here that it was during this hour where incense was being burnt, because again, we see that it again, it is essentially a line or a sign of being in communication with the Lord that we are told that in the 11th verse, that an angel of the Lord appeared to him, appeared to Zacharias. Again, I, I find it very interesting that it happened during the hour of the burning of incense, that an angel of the Lord appeared there. Okay, I don't, you know, I don't believe that it was coincidence. I, I do not believe in coincidences. Okay, so I'll just leave it at, I, I find it very interesting that it was essentially when, when Zacharias was, was going in for prayer and for worship, that an angel of the Lord appeared. And we're going to see that there again, uh, that, that there's a reason why the angel of the Lord appeared there. Something that I do want to point out here about the 11th verse and again, this kind of goes back to uh, lessons that we had last quarter. If you recall from our lessons last quarter, I I recall teaching you about uh, in occasions in scripture where 
we'll see the angel of God. We'll see the angel of God mentioned in scripture uh, in Old Testament days. And then there are other occasions where we'll see an angel of the Lord appear. And, and something that I pointed out, something that I said to all of you in that Sunday school lesson is that uh, the angel of God, the angel of the Lord, okay, is the pre-incarnate Christ, okay? The angel of God, anytime you see that in scripture, the angel, just listen to, listen to what I'm saying there, the angel of God. And typically, uh, depending on, on what translation you're reading, uh, the New King James Version, when, when you see it say the angel of the Lord or the angel of God, that A is always capitalized, which which signifies to us that it's not a common angel that is being spoken of. OK, it's speaking of scriptures talking about the pre-incarnate Christ. Well, something else that I mentioned, something else that I said was anytime in scripture where you see it says an angel of the Lord appeared. There's a difference. There's a difference between the and an. Okay, I hope that you're picking up on that. In our scripture today, we see it specifically say an angel of the Lord. It doesn't say then the angel of the Lord. That would be different. That would be totally different. If this verse, the 11 verse said, then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, we would be talking about the pre-incarnate Christ. But we're not talking about uh, the pre-incarnate Christ here. We're talking about a common angel, if you will. Okay, and, and it's not such a not so really a, a coming of angel. We've actually seen this angel before uh, in scripture, but we know that this angel is not the pre-incarnate Christ because uh, scripture tells us Luke here in in his writing. He just said it was an angel of the Lord appeared to him. And so when Zacharias saw this angel appearing before him, he was troubled and, and fear, we were told, fell upon him. Which throughout scripture, when angels appeared to the people, this 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 was a common reaction that, that we would see uh, occur uh, throughout scripture. Uh, it reminds me of when an angel appeared before Daniel in the book of Daniel, how Daniel uh, was moved uh, at the appearance of the angel uh, later on in, in this very chapter. Uh, for example, uh, when we see Mary speaking to an angel, uh, there was a, a certain reaction that he, she had that was uh, similar to the reaction that Zacharias had here. OK, so we're told that an angel appeared. Uh, OK, an angel appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw this angel, he was troubled. He was he was disturbed, if you will. And we're told that fear then fell upon him. He was afraid. It fell upon him. Uh, you know, this, again, seemed to be a very common reaction in Scripture. Um, I, I can't tell you how I would react if in the next second an angel appeared before me. I, I You know, just pops up out of nowhere, appears before me. I would probably be disturbed and fear would probably fall upon me as well. And, and I suppose the same could probably be said for all of you as well. So the point being out of the first section of this passage of scripture is uh, we know Zacharias, uh, he is a priest. Uh, we know that he was in the temple uh, while he was serving in the temple, burning incense, an angel appeared before him. That's the, our biggest takeaway 
uh, that we have there from the 12th verse. An angel appeared before Zacharias while he was serving in the temple during the hour, essentially of burning against the hour of prayer, if you will. Okay. And again, the angel was not the angel of the Lord. It was an angel of the Lord. We're told here in the 13th verse, as we continue on in our lesson, it says there in the 13th verse, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. Okay. So again, like I said, I do not believe that it was coincidence that the angel uh, appeared to Zacharias at the time that it did. Okay. Uh, we're told here at the rest of this verse says, and your wife, Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. Uh, the, something that we need to know about Zacharias and Elizabeth is that Zacharias and Elizabeth, they were very prayerful people. And they are essentially uh, a great reminder of two other people that we see in Scripture, okay, uh, that have been prayerful for children. And, and something that we should understand about Zacharias and Elizabeth is that they share in common with Abraham and Sarah the Sarah was barren and Elizabeth was, we are told in scripture, was barren as well. She was unable uh, to have children. The difference between Zacharias and Elizabeth and Abraham and Sarah is that Zacharias and Elizabeth, they patiently waited. And dare I say because we're going to be told in scripture that, that they were well advanced in their years. You'll see that down in the 18th verse. I believe that, that Zacharias and Elizabeth had essentially got to the point to where they just simply accepted that they were not going to have children. Whereas it was a very big deal for Abraham and Sarah in, in their time. Uh, Sarah badly wanted to give Abraham an heir. And so you recall that, that she gave Hagar to, to Abraham and Abraham went into her and Hagar had a, a child, okay, uh, called that child Ishmael. Um, they, they did not wait necessarily. Abraham and Sarah did not wait on God. Whereas with, with Zacharias and Elizabeth, I believe that they waited on the Lord. And in their waiting on the Lord, they had not had children. And I think they just accepted that it was in the Lord's will for them not to have children. Uh, even though they, again, they remained prayerful. I believe that they prayed. I believe Zacharias and Elizabeth, they prayed quite a bit. And so we're told here uh, in, in this scripture here that the prayers of Zacharias and Elizabeth had been heard. And again, that's why I believe that the angel appeared during the, the hour where incense was being burnt and Again, the people we were told there in the 10th verse, the whole multitude uh, was outside the temple praying during that hour. So I, I believe that, again, God had been hearing the prayers all the time from Zacharias and Elizabeth. I can't tell you how long that those two had been praying. And I can't even tell you specifically at that moment in time whether or not Zacharias was praying for a child at that time. Because, again, as we'll see here uh, in the rest of our lesson today, Zacharias and Elizabeth, they were both uh, well advanced in, in age, in their years. They were older people. Um, so it, I believe, 
as we'll see here in scripture today, I believe that Zacharias and Elizabeth had actually given up the hope of having a child. And so I can't say whether uh, at that moment in time, whether Zacharias was actually praying for, for a child or not. However, I do know that during essentially the hour of prayer outside of the temple for the people, that the angel appeared, okay, to Zacharias, essentially like, hey, I'm here to answer your prayer, okay? So something that I will say to this is that a lot of times, a lot of us, we get impatient with the Lord. And some of us, we will we will try to move ahead of God. That's not good for us to do, okay, when we, when we try to move ahead of God. We see that uh, in the story of Abraham and Sarah. They moved ahead of God. Uh, they essentially paid for it, uh, not themselves personally, but their descendants. Okay. Um, we ourselves, when, when we get out ahead of God, we often pay for it by tripping up and falling over. And we end up missing out on a blessing because we decided to move ahead of God. And that's again, bad for us to do something else that I want to point out about this as well, when it comes to to our prayer is that we cannot give up hope in our prayers to the Lord just because something doesn't happen in an instant for us. Okay. Um, just because we pray for it, it doesn't mean that we should give up hope in what it is that we have prayed for. God is going to move by his will, according to his timing. We can't force God to move for us. That's something that we must understand. So we should always be prayerful. And, and again, we should always be faithful in our prayers. Now, when I say that we should always be prayerful, I want you to understand it doesn't mean that uh, we have to pray for this one thing every single time that we pray. Uh, the fact of the matter is that God hears our prayer the first time. God hears the prayer of faith always. Uh, now, it what, what ends up happening is that we end up, we'll, we'll pray for something over and over and over again because that often, it gives us comfort to do that, okay? But don't pray with that mindset uh, that you're doing it because you don't think God heard you the first time. No, God heard you the first time. The thing is, is that God is going to move when he decides, when he chooses to move. He is going to answer your prayer. For Zacharias and Elizabeth, it didn't happen when they were young. It didn't happen when they were middle aged. Uh, God moved when they were well advanced in years. But the fact of the matter is, is that God had heard their prayers. And another fact of the matter is, is that God moved. So we have to just trust. We have to trust in God's will. And that's something that was a major preaching point for me in my sermons last month. Okay, it was just two sermons, all right. But that was a major factor uh, in, in, in the sermons, and then again in our Sunday school lessons, we saw how important it was in our Sunday school lessons. All of last quarter, three months, we we saw how important it is for us to be obedient to God's instructions. So we must be obedient to His will. We must be obedient to His way. That requires faith. That requires trust. Okay, so the 13th verse again says there, the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. So we know that the son being spoken of 
uh, in our lesson today is John, that is John the Baptist. The 14th verse goes on to say, and you have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. Uh, the 15th verse says, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. So the people we were told there, okay, are are are, are going to, to rejoice. He says there uh, the, in the 14th verse uh, that that Zacharias. Uh, will have joy and gladness. What is it that's going to give Zacharias joy and gladness? It's going to be the fact that God answered his prayer. God answered the prayers of he and Elizabeth, and it's going to fill him with joy and gladness. That's what happens when the Lord moves on our behalf, when we choose to wait on God. God's blessings are always, always going to fill you with joy and gladness. There is no such thing as God moving on your behalf, God giving you a blessing and you being sad about the blessing. Never has that happened before ever in my life. Everything that I have received from God, it has made me glad. It has made me joyful. Now, there are some people, dare I say, that will grumble and complain about what they have received from God. They do this not knowing and understanding the blessing that they have received from the Lord. There are a lot of people that pray for a cake. I always use this for an example. They'll pray from, for a cake and they will get upset that God has given them the ingredients to make a cake. They want that cake instantly. But the, again, the fact is that God has given them the cake. He's given them the, the ingredients to make that cake. So that's how the Lord works. Okay. A lot of times well, we'll pray for something and God will give us the tools. Okay. And a lot of people don't like that. But again, I tell you when, when you are faithful, when you are true to the faith, when you are genuine in your faith, you trust in the will of God, you'll begin to recognize the blessings that, that God has blessed you with. And it, again, the, it'll give you great joy and gladness and, and many people will end up rejoicing in your blessing because what God gives to us are typically gifts that are to be shared with all of those that are around us and that's what our uh, Sunday school lesson essentially uh, closed out on uh, last quarter uh, the fact that none of us are to be greedy we are we are to share uh, the gifts the blessing uh, that we receive from the Lord a bit is spoken of about John there in the 15th verse about essentially about his future, uh, where the angel says there, he, John will drink neither wine nor strong drink. He didn't, uh, we're told in scripture, uh, that John was essentially a man that lived off of the land. Something else that is very important there in the 15th verse that I do want to touch on for a brief moment here is that uh, it says there in that scripture, he will also be filled with the Holy spirit, uh, even from his mother's womb. Uh, John the Baptist is actually one. He's the last of the old prophets, the Old Testament uh, prophets. And there are a lot of people uh, who like to, to say about the Old Testament. Uh, they like to say that the Holy Spirit does not appear in the, the Old Testament. When, in fact, the truth of the matter is that the Holy Spirit does appear in the Old Testament. That's just the same thing is said about Jesus. There are a lot of people that say 
uh, that Christ does not appear in the Old Testament. But again, I mentioned that pre-incarnate Christ, the, the angel of the Lord, appears often in Old Testament scripture. The Holy Spirit is certainly present in the, uh, the Old Testament. People could be filled with the Holy Spirit uh, in the Old Testament. A lot of people like to say that about the Old Testament because we see in New Testament scripture that Christ, Jesus promised all of those who would have faith in general believe in him that they, that we would receive the Holy Spirit after his ascension, which again, that did happen on uh, Pentecost. Okay, the day of Pentecost, we know that the apostles, that they did receive the Holy Spirit. And we know that uh, the Holy Spirit began to dwell with all of those that Jeremiah believed after uh, that day you know, through the laying on of the apostles' hands. And we know today that all of those who are of genuine faith today receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit abides in all of us. But again, the Old Testament clearly shows us uh, that there were people who the Holy Spirit dwelt with. For example, David uh, may be the, the greatest example of this. When uh, he sinned, when he committed his greatest sin, and he decided to then pray for forgiveness, he decided to repent of his sin. One of the things that, that you find in Scripture that, that David prayed about was not losing his joy. David, he he prayed to God about not losing uh, the Holy Spirit, okay? David was, again, one who I genuinely believe that the Holy Spirit uh, dwelt with uh, while he walked the earth. If you go to the 51st Psalm, uh, you'll see what I'm talking about there where, where, where David, he plainly spoke about uh, not wanting to lose his joy. He spoke about not wanting to lose uh, the Holy Spirit uh, because of his great sin. Another place in scripture to where we could see where the, the Holy Spirit for a period, a brief period in time dwelt uh, among someone or with someone would be with King Saul. Uh, when, when King Saul in the 10th chapter of 1 Samuel, you can go and look at that as well, when he was anointed king of Israel, there was a brief moment in time where we were told that uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, it, 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 it came upon him. And, and Saul, he, he began to prophesy. And the people were looking and they were saying, is this Saul the one that's, that's prophesying? They couldn't believe that Saul was prophesying. The, the reason why he was prophesying the way that he was, speaking the way that he was, was because the Holy Spirit, uh, it came upon him. Okay. So again, there, there are a lot of people that, that miss it, but the Holy Spirit, uh, definitely was moving in the old Testament days and the Holy Spirit would certainly come, uh, and abide, uh, with someone, uh, just like, again, we're seeing here with John the Baptist, even though we see John the Baptist, uh, spoken of here in a new Testament book, uh, it is said that he is one of the, the, the last, in fact, the last Old Testament prophet uh, because he came. He's the forerunner of Christ. After Christ, there were no prophets. There, there are no prophets. There's no more foretelling because Christ is the final of the foretelling. OK, uh, there are people today that, that call themselves prophets, but they aren't prophets in the sense that they are foretelling of anything. Okay, they are essentially teachers. Okay, 
All right, so that's something that I do want to point out there, okay, is that the Holy Spirit, we are told in this verse that it came uh, and that it would be with John from his mother's womb is what we're told there in the 15th verse, okay? So again, uh, a, a huge deal, I would say, uh, there with the Holy Spirit coming upon John because John... Okay, John was someone who moved with with great boldness. Okay, uh, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and then we'll see here in the 16th verse, where the 16th verse says, "And he will turn uh, many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God." Okay, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's doing. He's going to be doing the work of the Holy Spirit, if you will, there. As was being told to us here in the 15th and in the 16th verse. Uh, the 17th verse gives us more insight uh, to John the Baptist, uh, the work that he would do in being the forerunner. We're told there in the 17th verse, it says, he will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. Very significant what is being said here uh, in the 17th verse. The him that he will go before there if your Bible is like my Bible, and I'm reading from the New King James Version, the H there is capitalized. So who is being spoken of there in the 17th verse? Who is that him? That him is the Messiah. That him is Christ. That him is Jesus. John is going to go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah. The the spirit of Elijah. We have to remember the the type of prophet that Elijah was. Now, something that I often point out about Elijah when I speak about him is that Elijah was a man that he he faced depression. Okay, um, he, he he at moment in times you could see the depression of Elijah where he felt like he was all alone. However, Elijah was a man of faith and he was a man of great courage. He was a man of great boldness. He would tell it like it was, like it is. Uh, where, again, I often preach about and teach about uh, the battle on Mount Carmel, how he stood before all of those false prophets of, of Jezebel and Ahab and, and how he stood on the boldness of God and and. He was teaching the people to turn to God at that that point in time, regardless of of how foolish that they thought that he was, especially Ahab and Jezebel. Ahab and, and Jezebel, they did not like Elijah. But Elijah, again, he was a man of great courage. He was a man of of great boldness. And, and he stood at a time where where there were people who were afraid to stand for the Lord. Elijah, he did it. Okay, and he did it again with the message of repentance. And that's what's essentially being said about John the Baptist. At the time of John the Baptist, we have to recall that the Lord had went silent. There was no prophesying of God. Okay, for, for generations, for generations, for hundreds of years, the Lord had went silent in between the testaments, as we say. Okay. But John the Baptist, he arrived on the scene and he spoke, he foreran, he set the path. That's what it means to be a forerunner, okay? To, to, to be a forerunner, when you look up the definition of a forerunner, 
A forerunner is one that proceeds, one that indicates the approach of another. And that's what he was doing. When you see, when you see John the Baptist, he, he, speaking of himself, okay, he speaks of himself as being the one crying in the wilderness, set in the course for the one to come after him, okay? That is what John the Baptist uh, says of himself, that he was the forerunner, and that's what scripture uh, speaks of as well. It speaks of him being the forerunner, the one crying in the wilderness, the one that was set in the path for the one uh, to come, okay? That is what John the Baptist did as the forerunner. So again, we're told there, that he's going to go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah. That means that that John was going to go with great courage and great boldness uh, to to let the people know that Christ was coming. Okay, it was time for them to get ready. All right, uh, we're we're told as that verse continues there it says to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And that's what I just said there. That's what John Baptist did. Uh, John, he, he set that path for Christ, letting the people know uh, that Christ was on the way. In fact, when Christ did come, when Christ showed up to be baptized, John Baptist said, hey, here he is, the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God approaches the Lamb of God uh, is here. This is the one, John would say, this is the one that I have been preaching about, that I've been telling all of you about. All right, the 18th verse, again, it says there in the 18th verse, it says, And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man. My wife is well advanced in years. Like I said, I believe that Zacharias, he had, he, him is Elizabeth. I can't speak for Elizabeth, but I can speak for him. Zacharias, I believe, had given up hope on the idea of, of having children because he and Elizabeth, his wife, they had gotten old and Elizabeth was believed to be barren because again, I believe that Elizabeth and Zacharias had been trying to have children. I believe that they had been prayerful about having children as well, but it had not happened. So I believe that they essentially believed that, hey, it's not uh, in God's will uh, for them to, to have children. And I believe that he had uh, given up hope on the matter. Um, so Zacharias, if you will, was a bit hesitant doubtful uh that that uh he would be a father okay um he asked again you know how 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 will i know how shall i uh know this is what uh, zacharias had asked there so there's a lesson in that as well that i'll touch on here uh, in a moment the 19 verse says and the angel answered and said to him i am gabriel so we know who the angel was now okay we know that this angel is gabriel uh, we'll, we'll see Gabriel again uh, in, in a few lessons uh, where Gabriel is going to appear before Mary. And like I mentioned earlier, I spoke of, of the book of Daniel. Uh, Gabriel appears in the book of Daniel uh, as well. We know we nicknamed Gabriel uh, as the messenger angel uh, because he delivered messages on behalf of God uh, at certain points in time in Scripture. OK, so he said, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. It was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. Okay, so again, you know, Zacharias he could have believed that that the person that he was speaking to, uh, this being that he was speaking to, you know, may have been hiding in the temple the whole time, 
uh, which may have led to him being so troubled and and, and disturbed and fearful in the 12th verse. Uh, so, you know, he doesn't, Zacharias doesn't know whether to believe that what Gabriel is saying to him. He doesn't know to, whether to believe it or not. Okay. Um, he doesn't know if, if, if Gabriel was joking around with him or not. Okay. So it was a bit doubtful. And again, the reason why I say that is because Zacharias, he was well advanced in years. He was an older man. Okay. Um, he didn't think it was possible for Elizabeth to have a child at that point in time. So that's why Zacharias essentially asked that question because he, you know, he was doubtful, hesitant uh, to believe a word that Gabriel uh, was saying. But we're told here in the 20th verse, it says here in the 20th verse, it says, uh, Gabriel is saying this still, it says, but behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own times. So Zacharias indeed was was made a mute. Okay, he had to, to essentially uh, communicate through 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 writing things out through through uh, you know that kind of of, of communication uh, with those that were around him until Christ was uh, not Christ until John the Baptist was born, and then. Uh, Zacharias, he was able to testify of the truth. Um, he was able to testify of, you know, what John the Baptist would be. Um, he was able to testify essentially of what Gabriel uh, had said to him. Okay. So the lesson that we can take away from those last few verses, and essentially what I would say is the lesson that we can take away from the overall Sunday school lesson this week is let us not give up hope. Okay, let us not give up hope. A lot of times, you know, we, we give up hope and God is still moving on our behalf. Okay, we, we, we should never give up hope. Always be faithful and, and trusting in the Lord's will. Because the one thing that God has promised to all of us is that he is going to grant us the desires of our hearts. So if you have prayed a prayer of faith, just remain faithful. Remain faithful to that prayer. Do not give up hope. God is going to move, okay? He's going to bless you at the moment that he desires according to his will. So we should always be faithful, trusting in the will of God. Again, knowing that God is going to move for us when he chooses to move for us. And then at the same time, know that God is already moving for us in the first place. Okay. So let us never give up hope in God. Let us always remain faithful. That is the biggest thing that we can take away from our Sunday school lesson this week. And again, we see here that there was a forerunner again, the promise of Messiah's forerunner. Again, we see that, uh, the blessing of John the Baptist to Zacharias and Elizabeth and then to all of the other people. Okay, it was a great benefit to everyone. All right, so that is our Sunday School lesson for this week. I certainly hope that you enjoyed this lesson and I hope that you'll share this Sunday School lesson with someone somewhere and I hope that you'll come back for our Sunday School lesson next week. Again, our lessons for this month gearing up towards Christmas, the birth of Christ, our celebration of the Savior of the world. Okay, 
So until that time, let us again continue to keep one another lifted up in prayer. You never know what anyone is going through. So be prayerful for all people that is around you, those you know, and the stranger as well. And again, let us continue to go about in grace and in love. That is our calling as a child of God to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Until next time, again, I'll continue to keep all of you lifted up in my prayers. And I pray that the Lord continues to keep and to bless all of you.